All right, welcome to this episode of our show, True Data Ops. I'm your host, Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior. Each episode, we're going to bring you a podcast covering all things data ops with the people that are making data ops what it is today. If you haven't yet done so, please be sure to go look up and subscribe to the dataops.live YouTube channel. That's where you can find all the recordings from our past episodes. So if you missed any of last season's episodes or any of the early episodes this season, that's your place to go catch up. So my guest today is a self-described data therapist. She's a founding member of the data product leadership community and a certified information privacy professional. Uh, Karen Meppen is the Director of Client Services at Hakoda, the America's Snowflake SI Innovation Partner of the Year. Welcome to the show, Karen. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So uh, for uh, folks uh, who, who don't know much about you, could you give us a little bit of your background in the data management space and a little bit about uh, what you guys do over there at Hakoda? You bet. Yes. Uh, so you mentioned a little bit about me. I'll tell you more. I have over 20 years uh, experience working with data. And as such, I, uh, I have learned a lot along the way of what it really takes to be successful when you're delivering uh, on data solutions, the reasons why everyone comes to the table in the first place. What I've learned is that it really is a holistic experience. It's not just technology. And so as a result, I've developed experience of all the things you, you need uh, in that holistic experience to be successful, which includes privacy and being uh, aware of managing sensitive data, uh, security, cybersecurity management, uh, data governance, absolutely, as it relates to matching to your uh, data goals of what you're trying to align to, and most importantly, change management. Uh, I call myself, half joking, a data therapist because it really is uh, people that are affected by the data, be it a data engineer that wants to spend time with uh, his or her family over the weekend and not be on call, uh, or uh, someone that is an analyst in the capital markets group that uh, has a very specific way of getting the data. Uh, they know their data. It's just a matter of translating that to get insights to do his or her job or the tasks that they're being asked to do. And um, and that affects you know being able to go to um, your daughter's volleyball game, or uh, or instead of focusing on more proactive work, looking more on like fire drill type uh, activity because of the nature of your data. So it has an impact on uh, people and processes. And so you'll notice, and I'm sure you've seen this, Kent, uh, as you start talking with folks, it really is more discussing how the data impacts you and more what are those pain points and how can we do better to support you in getting to those goals of what good looks like for you, right? Exactly, yeah. So as it relates to Hakoda, uh, Hakoda is, uh, a nod, you may not have heard of uh, Hakoda before. It's a reference to the Hakoda Mountains in Japan, and that's a nod to nice. Snowflake. Uh, it's one of the snowiest places on earth. And so what we do at Hakoda is really partner with our clients on their data innovation journey, touching on much of what I mentioned already, meeting everyone um, where they are, to understand what their goals are, what their challenges are, and to partner with them along the way. And so my role at Hakoda 
is um, uh, as within client services is to make sure that we're partnering well um, each step of the way in their data innovation journey and making sure that we're staying aligned to their strategic goals of why we came together in the first place and, uh, and making sure that we're all successful uh, in, in that endeavor. So hopefully that addresses more about where we are and what we're doing. Cool. Yeah, I I didn't know that it was named after a Japanese mountain range. That that makes uh, actually for me that'll make it pronouncing it the name of the company easier because I keep struggling with it with the with the uh, the pronunciation. I lived in Japan for a year and actually learned to speak a little Japanese. Um, I didn't didn't get to see the Hakoda mountain range, but I did see Mount Fuji while I was there. Very nice. And, and, and actually got to go skiing one time. Uh, I lived in Western Japan. And there was a, actually a little ski area there that uh, a bunch of us went to uh, during the winter when I was there. But uh, now that, like I said, that'll definitely make it easier for me to pronounce it now because I know it's a Japanese word. There you go. But I, I love the symbolism. I love the symbolism of, of choosing that uh, for for the focus, especially given, you know, obviously your, your focus on uh, on Snowflake and implementing solutions on Snowflake makes, makes perfect sense now. So... Um, Data products, uh, that's really become a really hot industry buzzword. You know, started out in the data mesh community, and now it's pretty much everybody ha has adopted it. So um, you've been doing a lot of work with that, that the one council that you're involved in. So I want to get your take on this, this concept of data products. You know, what does it mean? And, you know, how important is it in um, dealing with the complicated data landscapes that we now have today? Absolutely. Uh, to your point, uh, yes, uh, Jamak Degani brought data products to the forefront with a discussion of data mesh. And I, uh, within our group, uh, you mentioned in the intro that um, I'm a founding member of uh, the data product leadership community. That's something that Brian O'Neill, who's big on um, data product design and bringing in uh, user experience and user interface to truly engage folks on the consumption of data products that that matter and have an impact on uh, the user experience, but also uh, the PL statement. And, um, and that's more where I think we get into a lot of discussions, one, because it's a buzzword, you know, data product, I think is thrown around a lot. And as with all the other buzzwords, it loses its meaning when it's used for everything. And so <laughs> Often we end up getting a little pedantic in the group about what is the data product, but I think it's more calling out, oh, oh, if we can't put a name on it or define it, then how can we really align on what are the best practices? How are we delivering uh, data products? And so my own definition, it aligns more with much of what Gardner mentions. Uh, it is aligned to decision analytics. I also don't think that it necessarily needs to be associated with data mesh in particular. I think yeah. there are other ways to approach um, data vault, a big fan of data vault as a way to, uh, you can include data vault and data mesh together. It's really what works best for your organization and, uh, and your culture. And that's kind of coming back to that whole holistic approach of really what is going to work well for you and your organization and also making sure that it does have standalone benefit where you can tie the value and and revenue or 
impacts, if you're reducing operating costs, perhaps that you're able to measure that as that standalone uh, product more so than uh, where I think a lot of other references come into play where it's more uh, data as a product, like a data set uh, or other um, SaaS products that are more, uh, they're more a whole software package. And I think there's a lot of discussion about bringing in vernacular from um, the software development lifecycle and blending that into data. Data is a little bit behind the curve um, compared to where they are with uh, software development. So we're still evolving. And similarly, uh, you know, the concept of product management is fantastic, yeah. but really blending that in to say, what I've learned is there's a lot of things that work well as it relates to managing or identifying what are the insights to get to a decision in the way that a user needs to see it or interact with it. But also there are things uh, that you just do differently that don't align so much with product management aligned to a SaaS product, let's say. And so I yeah. think that's still something that we're figuring out and that's something uh, more broadly within the community. And, and that's something that I've learned also is something that we is a, is a change of thought for the folks that we work with as well, where we think about prioritizing, you know, it sounds cliche, you know, start with the end in mind, but really what is the end? Who's going to be consuming the, uh, the insights that we're partnering with you to create? Why does that matter? How does that imp impact your operating model? You know, starting with that and, uh, and building from there to decompose what's needed uh, to support those uh, strategic goals of whatever your uh, KPIs are or um, metrics that are the decision of like what good looks like and moving the needle. And so circling back to what a data product is, I, I think that that's an evolving discussion from my perspective. It really is helping folks work with agility who know their data best. That's where I think the data mesh concept mm -hmm. comes into play to be owners of their data. And, and what is it that you need to work quickly to get there so that they're not uh, lost in the concept of having to develop a new job description just to interact with their own data. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm glad you distinguish between data as a product and data products, because I know that's been like massive amount of confusion just in the terminology people use, because we kind of got to the point where some organizations, we used to talk about, you know, treating data as an asset. So going from data as an asset to data as a product, not as big a leap as going to data products. And like you said, dealing with uh, product management and product management concepts, um, you know, you can have, you can treat your data as a product, but that doesn't mean it's a data product, right? And I think that's, right. that's the very fine line that uh, semantically people have a real hard time with. It's like, oh yeah, we have a, we have a data mart, you know, we've got it. That's a data product. Well, Maybe yes, maybe no, depending on what you did and how you did it and who it's for as to whether or not is that really a data product. Early, early in my career, I worked with the federal government uh, for a bunch of years uh, developing software. And in that, I got introduced to TQM, Total Quality Management. And one of the, I think the most useful things I learned there was to talk about internal and external customers. And I see that really applies now in this data product, especially if you're talking about data mesh, because, you know, the one domain group, 
they have to think about basically the rest of the organization, potentially all these other domain groups as being internal customers. And like you said, you know, thinking of the end in mind, what do they really need? How do they really need to see our data? And what's going to be useful for them is going to make it easy for them to consume the data and use it for whatever analytics that they look for. And so many organizations, I think people don't get that, um, that concept. A one-size-fits-all dashboard probably is not going to do it. Exactly. I, I think that that's something that's a big pivot or change from... Um, uh, we say at, at Hakoda, uh, BI before AI, yes, you need to develop some maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, yes, that's something that is a big part of the user experience and that you consider the persona and that the the I feel like, you know, uh, an analytics engineer who spends a lot of time to create a, a dashboard, let's say, that's functionally correct to, get to delivering what's out there, but they, they're, uh, you see them die inside when that uh, it's presented for user acceptance testing and that uh, analyst immediately downloads that dashboard into Excel. And like, Ugh. I mean, and the point is that each persona, I'll call him persona as somebody who is interacting with uh, the data with their own unique needs. And to basically call that out um, and that they may be interacting with a dashboard and looking at the data, the same set of data, but doing something very differently. So starting with that of the intersection of the data needs with the persona and aligned to that. And to me, that's really what a data product is, is is aligning to deliver that data and the decision, uh, the data presented in a way to where you know what that next decision is or the next action is because of how you're presenting it, it probably isn't a dashboard. I mean, it may be something that's a push notification on your phone, or it could be something uh, that is aligned to like a pop-up on your computer or some type of alert. I think it's not for a lack of data in our environments at this point. There's a plethora of data. It's a matter of getting through the noise to figure out what uh, the next thing is that I need to focus on, either to react um, uh, defensively or to make offensive decisions in your business of, hey, I see new uh, value streams that we can take advantage of based upon some uh, what we already have set up in our environment. And so I, I think that's also something that's lost on um, folks in the conversation about data products is that, yes, and the most simple or traditional format, you can sell a data set uh, on uh, on an exchange or a data share. Yes. Uh, but then that implies that other folks are valuing your data uh, at what you want to sell it for. The You have incredible opportunity, and not to mention, I should say, there's a lot you have to do as it relates to managing, uh, anonymizing the data to make sure it's just being, you're being a custodian of personal data uh, to get to that level to where you can actually monetize it in a way of selling it in a market. However, what you can do to take advantage of your uh, what you have within your own organization in terms of data product to identify those offensive uh, value streams uh, to to directly affect your KPIs internally is just incredible. And that's where when you talk about internal customers, that's where I think it gets really exciting where uh, you start getting some champions to understand the direction you're going. You can really do great things. 
Yeah. Now, with all of that, you know, can you give me your perspective on, you know, data ops and what it is and how does it fit into this evolving landscape where we're dealing with data products for different audiences coming from maybe different domain teams? You know, what is it and where, where does it really fit into this? Great question. Yes. I mean, data ops, I think, is a, a nod to what you hear in uh, in the software development lifecycle of DevOps, but aligned to managing with the data, right? And so what is it that you need to do with the data so you can start exploring to create these insights that we just talked about? And so typically you're bringing in disparate data sources, uh, be it an Excel spreadsheet uh, from your analyst or from uh, your ERP systems, your CRM systems, and you need to make sense of it, uh, or even something from out in uh, the data share, like census data or something else, mm -hmm. right? So getting the data to a state where you can work with it is a challenge. And it's, as I call out often, it's a program, it's constant. It's not a one-time uh, experience, right? And so, the concept of bringing the data to the people who know the data uh, best in that domain setup, be it the marketing team, the finance team, there's an incredible amount, or even the data scientists, I don't want to give them short shrift. I mean, there it's known that there's so much time on a day-to-day -day basis and from a data therapy experience of just the pain uh, that folks go through to when they download their data to get it to a point where you can do something with it. And data ops is really the concept of best practices that you can put into place uh, in your data innovation journey that we talk about often. We start in chaos and that's really how it feels like in so many ways, but bringing order to that chaos and then looking forward more offensively, that's really what the the data ops maturity experience is is you can't automate uh either unknown processes or inefficient processes but when you do know and take know what your processes should be to address uh the data quality not uh not to be confused with uh, uh just the validation of data quality assurance of going from node to node of where your data is coming in but i mean data quality of what is the what state does the data data need to be in so that uh, your buddy and the finance team can start exploring the data that they know already, not spend time manipulating it and focus on doing something incredible with the metrics that they already know or have stored in their Excel spreadsheets. And that's where I think it's very powerful because once you address that and uh, put together automation because you have that structure set up, the data is ready to go. And so the amount of agility you have to partner with your data analysts to start getting to insights because it's the data is ready and it is, and has already gone through that validation point. It's just very powerful. Yeah. And I think, you know, we had a couple we had a couple of decades in the software world of agile and DevOps, where we've got some a lot of maturity there. And this is kind of new in the data space. And now that we're talking about data products, like, you know, how do you version a data product? Right. And how do you make sure that the the data in the pipeline that we're talking about here and that uh, 
what we used to call cleansing, you know, integrating all of those sorts of things. How do we make sure that that keeps running properly and, you know, maintain backward compatibility and all of that. So all these concepts from software development now having to be applied to data. And uh, I think you said early, early on, you said, you know, it requires a mind shift, right? You got to change change the way you're thinking about things and the way you're thinking about the data, because it's not, if it's going into a data product, it's not just a data lake anymore with a bunch of data that some data scientists are going to go do analysis on. That data is feeding into a data product that might be published, might be sold on a data marketplace. And that's, I guess, that's really where kind of the product management concepts come in along with this data ops and DevOps sorts of things. Is how do we do that efficiently? How do, how do we make that work? Uh, so where you mentioned automation. So, you know, where do you see, what do you see as a role of automation um, in, in dealing with these types of things to, to make it more effective? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, automation <laughs> is something that I think a lot of folks get lost on discussion of, I'm going to talk about AI. I know it's, I feel like it's, everybody's talking about it here, but, uh, but the concept of automation is, is taking, uh, things that repetitive activities and, and bringing that into some form of automation within your data stack. And I think what's often called out is you can't automate bad processes or, or unknown processes. And so I think in the maturity curve, first, uh, you have to be at a level to where you understand what's needed to automate. Uh, your data to hit on your data quality and your versioning uh, of all the data to know that it's good. I mean, I think that's usually the core of what happens with folks that are in those data silos we talk about all the time is that there's just a distinct lack of trust from one group to another of the state of the data. And so there is a lot of time spent validating the data. And so really shifting that mindset, trust is hard won and easily lost. And in data, that's so true as well. And that getting everyone to a level of trust through this automation, partnering with them along the way to give their input of what does need to be included in the data to have a source of truth that everybody can rely upon is huge. And so uh, I'm a big fan of keeping it simple. And so that's where the automation of all the checkpoints as it relates to your master data, I'm gonna dork out on, <laughs> on data governance topics here, but you know, making sure that the freshness component of it, the accuracy, uh, the, I think something that folks have stumbled upon data anomaly detection, meaning that it may meet your data quality standards, but it's not necessarily expected in the range of the data for mm -hmm. an example of uh, particular numbers that you're looking for, for a customer for the month or something like that. That's huge. And so the automation of that is incredible so that, if you already know what's going on, put that into effect so that whomever's in that domain doesn't need to have technical awareness of all 
all the challenges that usually your data engineer has to go through or your data scientists as well to just munge the data to, to make sure it's clean and in a good state. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of data ops because it just really does keep it simple uh, that you can interact, create those standards where something that I've often seen uh, with my clients is that the IT team opens up access to all the data. Great. And then the blowback or the consequence of that is then that uh, everybody starts creating their fiefdoms in their particular domains. And then there's just no awareness of access uh, to the particular data sets to unwind particular queries. There's no consistency. People start talking about a data marketplace. It's kind of like getting your metrics into that library or data store. Like there's more siloing really from your uh, Potentially, from yeah. finance to marketing, et cetera. And then the, the tech team is starting to get uh, a huge backlog of all the different folks in each of the fiefdoms to ask about, well, what is this data or how do I know it's, you know, how fresh it is, or is this the most current? I don't know. And so the, 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 Effective automation is that it allows you to manage visibility of your access, uh, manage what I'll call reference or standard um, like architecture so that you can logically build uh, on what the tech team can manage. It reduces your, your pain uh, along the way uh, of all the time it takes to, to work through your, your tech support request. And it allows really those domain folks in those fiefdoms to do what they know to do best while the tech team can also uh, have confidence that you're maintaining that governance and consistency of your data. So really it makes everyone happy along the way because you have those standards in place and it, you don't need to get, uh, get in line to get support each time you see a problem, which is usually why uh, silos are created in the first place because nobody does want to get a, get in line and, and ask for help from the tech team. Right. Yeah. And then what you're talking about really plays into the, the concepts of monitoring and observability along with all the automation. We can automate all that so that we can have proactive alerts. Like yes. I like the idea, you know, something um, <clears throat> values that are out of this normal range, because if you're expecting sales to be, you know, between zero and $100,000 and something comes in at 5 million and you don't catch it, it could grossly skew your forecast, right? Because that number was wrong and it really wasn't what was happening. And so having that kind of monitoring going on there, and it's, it's a form of data governance. You mentioned, you mentioned governance and making sure that, you know, that we're feeding uh, the right data into the data products, but also making sure that people can't see data they shouldn't see. And, and it is up to those domain teams to provide some of that governance is who has, who really has access to these sorts of things. And as much as we can automate it, that's going to allow, that's what's going to allow us to scale, right? Otherwise we're going to get the bottlenecks you're talking about is, you know, we're trying to eliminate these bottlenecks so that we can really get to scale with um, all of these activities that we're doing with the data. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and, and that's the, the entire point, right, is that you do get folks to opt in, and that's tough. And 
I think the hardest part is the people part, right? It doesn't work unless everybody opts in to really trusting that centralized source of truth and, uh, and that why does somebody need to change? Uh, I think there's something, uh, everyone's experience, which is change fatigue, uh, for all these data transformations of good intentions. Uh, but really that for many reasons that they're not able to come to fruition. And there's a lot of statistics about how many digital transformations fail. And I think the whole point is that it is, uh, it is that holistic process where you do need people, processes, and the technology is really just a lever of that holistic experience to mm -hmm. deliver on whatever problems you're trying to solve or offensively even trying to pursue um, uh, future opportunities to support your organization. Yeah, exactly. So since you're a data therapist, uh, the, the last second to last question I'm going to ask you is if you could tell an organization one thing, what would you tell them so that they can start delivering value from their data in, in the near term? What, what do they really need to focus on to, to get going? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it really is the focus on the people and the user experience, uh, that is really the key to being successful, engaging and being a good partner with the business. And the business is made of people, marketing, finance, uh, accounting team, and really being a good partner in the organization is what will lead to your success. Awesome. Great, yeah, great advice. I mean, we always get the, the people processes, technology conversation and like you say, people, people are first, you got to solve the people problem because it doesn't matter how much technology you throw at it. If you haven't solved that problem, it doesn't matter. It's not going to work out. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, um, what's next for you and Hakoda, you know, any conferences or meetups or things coming up in the next couple of months where you guys are going to be? Absolutely. Uh, so you may have noticed in the news, there is the uh, Snowflake Data Cloud World Tour. Uh, Hakoda is active in a, a lot of uh, cities globally. I believe the next one is going to be in DC next week. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing any folks that they're going to be in town in DC at that Data Cloud World Tour. Okay. Awesome. Well, um... We're out of time at 30 minutes, went really fast. Uh, we, uh, you and I could probably talk about this, yeah. uh, all of these things for another hour at least. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, we got got to go. So th thank you for, for being my guest today, Karen. Um, really thank enjoyed so it. Um, you know, thanks everybody out there for, for joining in and, and watching us live or, you know, maybe watching this on a, on a replay. Uh, be sure to join me again in two weeks. My guest is going to be my friend, the award-winning podcaster, Cindy Housen. I know her as the creator of the BI Scorecard, and now she serves as the Chief Data Strategy Officer at ThoughtSpot. So that should be another very exciting conversation with Cindy in two weeks. And as always, be sure to like the replays from today's show, tell your friends about the True Data Ops podcast, and send them a link to the show. So until next time, this is Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior, signing off.